Hello and welcome to the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. Today we're talking about the NFC South. We're going to have a spotlight on the fantasy production of those players and talk about the off-season moves, uh, the additions, the departures, where things are going. It's going to be crazy. What do you say, Jay? Should we jump into it? I say Drink 5, Dave. Okay. I can get behind that. song needs more cowbell. Well, Dave, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Drink 5 Podcast. I'm glad to see that you were not washed on the river in your canoe trip this weekend. Congratulations for, uh, I guess, being able to swim. I'm not sure how I should respond to that. Neither do I. You know, I can swim. Apparently, some people can't. Apparently, there are people out there still that can't swim, which makes no sense to me. I mean, I guess if you're like in a non-coastal region and you don't have enough money to travel somewhere, no, screw that. I mean, there's pools and stuff. There's water everywhere. Why would people not swim? It makes no sense. I mean, look, I haven't gone swimming in probably a long time. That's racist. Yeah, a little bit. Yes, come on. I'm an anti-swimmite. <laughs> Swimmers can't marry, you know. Now they can. Oh, my God. Wait, what is that? Is that Now they can. In a, in a remarkable double whammy, polygamy is also legal. Well, that's a Futurama joke. Pretty much everything is legal at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a different show, right? Yes. It's one we've done before and we'll do again. About polygamy? About everything and nothing. I'm talking about Douglas Adams. Oh, okay. Well, we have done that show. Check it out. Oh, we need to do our Neil Gaiman show. Sure, but, but today... there's big news about Today him. is all about fantasy football. The NFC South. So, uh, it being the last, um, the last week of June, in fact, the last day of June, uh, what's interesting is, is a lot of the, uh, of the camps start up officially in, let's say, like the third week of July. So, pretty soon. And when those camps start up, then people start practicing in pads. And what we haven't seen so far is that. We've heard a lot of good stuff about a lot of people practicing in, uh, you know, shirts and a t-shirt. Lots of guys practicing in yeah, shorts. shorts. T-shirts and shorts, I meant. Yeah. Uh, but they wrap the, the t-shirt around their waist. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever they're practicing in, the point is, uh, it is a lot easier for people, uh, regardless of talent level, to excel on the field if they don't have... Uh, pads and everything else on. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the pads on. And of course, we're going to get a couple injuries too. There's going to be probably one or two major fantasy players that goes out with at least like a two to three week injury. Major may be a strong word. I would say... Top 50. Yes, two of the top 50. Those are major as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Okay. I mean, that's that's fifth round. I that's that's way above like, I, I mean, half of the draft. I considered Macklin a major injury. He was a sixth round pick for me that year. Well, see, now you're on my side. You're like, I don't know. That's six, though. But that's fine. The point well, is, when you said major, I'm thinking top twenty five and no, you know, and cut it off there. Well, I don't know how you're qualifying that at the top twenty five. It's whatever I guess whatever you think of when you when you hear that. Sure. What I'm talking about is starting lineup players. Yeah, and that's definitely going to happen. So the first training camps can start no earlier than 15 days before the first scheduled preseason game. Which is August 9th? 
Uh, well, there is the Hall of Fame game, so NFL preseason schedule. Is schedule the right, the actual real way to say it? You know who's playing the Hall of Fame game, right? Um, no. Is it the Steelers or the Bears? You tell me. You just looked at the schedule. <laughs> the schedule uh, is the Vikings and the Steelers. Uh, Sunday, August 9th at 8 p.m. Of course, it's the Steelers. That's how I would know. Otherwise, I'd be like, what? Well, I don't need to watch Hall the of Hall Fame of Fame what? Game. And then the first uh, games are on Thursday the 13th of uh, August. So that means that the first camps can really start around uh, July 30th or so, probably. Mm, I'm not sure that rule is true. I read it on Wikipedia no less than two minutes ago. The Steelers camp, I believe, is starting on like July 20th. Because they have a game on the 9th. Oh, you, the team has to have Right, a game. right. The team can start camp no later than 15 days before their first scheduled preseason Got game. Got it. So the Steelers actually have a little bit of And, of course, of a, the Steelers have an extra preseason game along with the Vikings. Maybe they have a little bit of an advantage. So it must early. be. Usually what they do is they have two teams play who have lots of players going into the Hall of Fame. So isn't the bus going in this year? Yes. Okay, so I wonder who's going in for the Vikings. That's interesting. That's totally interesting, right? Everyone is, like, waiting on the edge of their seat. I am super interested right now. <laughs> well, last year, the Hall of Fame game was the Giants versus the, the Bills, and I wasn't that interested in that particular game. Um, I actually am interested in this game because we might get to see some people that will play in the regular season that they will still start in that preseason game, even though it's so early. Guys like Sammy Coates that were drafted by the Steelers, uh, people on Minnesota uh, that are newer picks or people that are still trying to vie for positions, maybe like a little Cordero Patterson or um, um, uh, Minnesota just recently, I think, got another wide receiver. Eh, well, maybe it's too late in the draft. Point being, you get to see a couple of those guys that might be good, might not be good. Um, so it's helpful for fantasy oh, drafts. Can I take this moment to just say that the NFL's website is terrible? Why is that? Well, okay, so I Google 2015 Hall of Fame class, and there's a link right away to the NFL. And I go to the page, and it just has a picture. It doesn't have a caption on the photo. Uh, there's no indication as to who these people are, who's in the class, right? So I find the Read More link to read an actual article about it. They don't have a list of the players anywhere. It's like mostly an article about Junior Seau. Well, I don't know uh, about your Google Foo there. I'm not sure what you typed in, but I, I'm I'm talking specifically about the NFL's NFL.com. <laughs> okay. Anyways, enough hate on that. Uh, we can maybe move on to the NFC South. Anything else you want to cover? I think we missed one thing. Um, what are you drinking, Dave? Well, I'm finishing off a PBR and then moving on to a Firestone Union Jack IPA, one of our favorites here from Firestone Walker, and uh, pretty good beer that's traveling around the United States right now. Pretty good, indeed. I agree. Um, this sucker is a 7.5%, which will go nicely with our Hop Happy IPA, um, which is 7.5% as well. All right. That's funny. How to drink craft beer from a can. Find a glass. Pour beer. <laughs> so we, we've covered a lot of the divisions so far, probably uh, <coughs> roughly about half of them, and we have about we've half We've covered to go. five of them so far, yes. So yeah. this will be number six. And so um, there's a lot to know and not know about this kind of stuff, right? The off-season moves and trades and things like that are 
um, very unpredictable as to how those players will then perform afterwards. Yeah. What's important, though, is the way that the team is restructuring and a lot of uh, finding out whether their coaching staff is still you know, trying to be very offensive uh, in a pass-happy way or running or defensive or mm-hmm. what direction that that team is actually moving in. And how that is going to affect those players in their fantasy season coming up. Yeah, so the NFC South, last year, they weren't very good, right? Oh, my God. So I looked at, we have three divisions left. I like to always save the best for last. So the NFC South was clearly the first one to do. Okay. Uh, so let me drop some numbers on you. Last year, they were the worst division. Uh, none of the teams reached 500. They had 22 wins between all four teams. Uh, so Tampa Bay didn't win a home game. Carolina had a stupid tie, which I freaking hate ties. Um, Atlanta only won one game outside their division. Five, They won six games total. Five of them came within the division. Um, you know, every team had a really bad point differential. Negative 23 was the best in the division. So, uh, this division, needless to say, is filled with a bunch of stink, a lot of underperforming teams, a lot of underachieving teams, but there is a lot of fantasy talent here. So that was last year. Yes. Um, and I assume that most of that fantasy talent has stayed there, although there have been, you know, a lot of moves in this division and rightly so because they did so poorly in the regular season. So how do you think that they're going to do going forward? Well, let's start with the Carolina Panthers. So between ads and re-signs, they've got Greg Olson on a three-year extension. Great move. Um, They have Ted Ginn Jr. on a two-year contract. Uh, He was a free agent. He was on Arizona last year, but he was on Carolina in 2013. So he's returning to the team. I think that, you know, he has played with Cam before. This may help them because... um, Clearly, last year, they needed a lot of wide receiver help. They had Kelvin Benjamin, but he was a rookie, and no one else. Benjamin did well, but he's only one guy. So um, the big, I guess, contract out of Carolina is Cam Newton's six-year extension, making him, I think it was the highest-paid uh, quarterback when he signed it, right? I know that it's uh, it's probably been beaten by, I don't know, maybe yeah. Russell Wilson's contract will beat it. Who knows? Well, Russell Wilson wants to be the highest paid quarterback in the league, which, let's be honest, he doesn't really deserve that. But not, it's not like Seattle can tell him no at this point. Right, not yet, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think Cam Newton was the highest paid player, but I believe Ben Roethlisberger has now eclipsed him after his contract. Good uh, for Ben. And uh, he got paid. It's yeah, like well, the equivalent of like a max contract in the NBA. So was Newton's, but... What's interesting is Newton's kind of beginning his career. Roethlisberger, that's the ending contract. Yeah, that'll be the last contract New, uh, Roethlisberger gets. Uh, Cam Newton did sign six years, so he's th- with the team through 2021. Well, what I'm saying is what that means is you know, Roethlisberger, good for him, right? He got a whole bunch of money at the end. He may not have gotten that if it was a couple years older. But uh, Cam Newton is right there, and he's like a newer player. So if he continues his play for the next four or five years – He's going to get a contract that is going to like destroy everyone's budgets everywhere. Agreed. I totally see one, at least one more, as you say, max contract coming his way. Yeah, I hate to use the NBA slang. I just have been listening to so much news lately on the on the NBA. Yeah, obviously. and that's not. There is no maximum actually in the NFL. No, there's no salary cap um, like that on there, the players. On the, yeah, right. There's no cap on players. Yeah. Um. So you know, that being said, Cam Newton is a rich motherfucker. So let's talk about Cam Newton then. Okay. Um, so Cam, as far as I know, and I'm not looking at stats, but I remember so a couple years when he went in the league and, and did really fantastically, um, 
everybody was swarming all over him, and rightly so, because he was uh, a runner, he was a passer, he was doing all sorts of things, right? He really is. I mean, Cam Newton can do everything. He wears the freaking Superman. He had uh, a down year uh, recently, and I think uh, one of the years before that. Uh, how long has he been in the league? For like four years now? I believe, yes. This is his fourth season. Uh, well, he's completed four seasons. Now. Okay. So he looks to be back in good shape. Like you think that they're going to plan some runs around him. It seems like he has a good receiving core. You'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so one would think that his numbers will only go up, right? Yeah. I mean, his numbers do show actually a little bit of a regression. His rookie year was a spectacular statistical year. Sure. Over 4,000 yards, 21 passing touchdowns. Um, you know, he improved a little bit in 2013, but really lacked the yardage. But I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Greg Olson's the only guy to throw it to, you know, over the last couple of years. Well, yeah, and you see after Kelvin Benjamin came in last year, then Cam Newton ended up uh, improving on his stats a little bit, right? Right. And um, when Cam Newton was out, so he only played 14 games. And um, who was the backup? Anderson, I think. Derek Anderson would have been the backup there. He had almost 700 yards, I think, during those two games. So there was a lot of um, there's a lot of passing potential on this team. I think that if Cam had played all 16 games last year, his numbers would look better. He probably would be around the 22 touchdown mark, around a little over 3,500 yards. So uh, you can't really uh, include this year in the regression because he missed a couple of games. Now, the team was bad. Uh, that doesn't help anybody. I think that, you know, this is his fourth, third or fourth year now with Greg Olson. They're going to be one of the best tandems in the league because Cam Newton really needs somebody to lean on. He's got Greg Olson now, and now Greg Olson doesn't have pressure on him like he's had in the past. Kelvin Benjamin is a known commodity. He's a good threat. They drafted Devin Funchess. A wide receiver in the second round, he's number 41 overall. He's the same overall. as Calvin Benjamin, except he can catch a little bit less, and he's a little more fumbly. Well, yes. I mean, those aren't, a lot of work th- those aren't great adjectives to have attached to you. But remember, Calvin Benjamin's big knock was that he couldn't catch the ball, and they certainly taught him how to catch. Maybe. They're, they're saying now, especially in preseason, that uh, he's had more problems, etc. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think he came to camp a little overweight, a lot of knocks on him so far this year. And granted, there's a lot of time left, but he could be one of those guys that's going to be overdrafted because especially with uh, you know Newton being healthy, Greg Olson being there, and a new guy in Funchess. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know they also picked up Ted Ginn Jr., who will probably split WR3 duties with the old Jericho Cotchery. Um I think that and, there's um, a lot more targets for Newton to go to. Absolutely. So I don't think that Benjamin's going to have as good of a year as he did last year. So, uh, But I do think that uh, that Funches might factor in a little bit. I just, you know, I've read a lot of things recently, and I don't mean to take us off track, but just for a second. Um, a lot of, tell. A lot of uh, fantasy pundits and, you know, news situations and beat reporters, they've all kind of mentioned the same thing, and that is, Last year's wide receiver core was really, really good. I mean, we had... The rookie core. We had four or five, yeah, like rookie wide receivers that went around 1,000 yards, uh, six or seven or more touchdowns. That You don't get that, usually, if ever. So a lot of people now are overvaluing wide receivers in the draft this year, who I don't think will do nearly as well as they did the previous one. So I think guys like Funches, you just got to, uh, as I always say, you know, kind of 
temper your expectations. Temper your expectations. Um, you know, <coughs> tempering actually uh, means that you make something harder and that you reinforce it. Sure, they're going to camp, they're learning the routes, they're doing everything that could be on your team. So when you say temper expectations, you're, I, I, from the context, it sounds like you're saying um, lower your expectations or at least keep them reasonable. Well, what, what, if you're using your... Uh, but when you temper steel, you make it stronger. If you're using your analogy, then I can say tempering expectations might mean make them make them harder, make make less uh, you know temptations just come in real easily through that soft exterior. Make it real. Okay, okay, I see where you're coming. Be from. more stubborn with your picks. You know, don't don't rely on like just the hype and the news because yeah. every year, and you know this, and I know this, every year the rookies get hyped every single year. Every rookie is going to come in and they're going to be the lead back. They're gonna they're gonna get 17 touchdowns. They're gonna be amazing with huge hands and and they're they're unbelievable. They're the thing that that team has never had, but now they have it, and now they're gonna go really far because of it. I think that in the case of wide receivers, they probably have the easiest transition to the pro game. They don't have to learn blocking schemes like running backs. But they it doesn't matter. Some. They hardly ever do well. <clears throat> Generally, the best receiver of a draft class only gets like 800 yards and four touchdowns. Right. It's only recently that the receivers coming in have, have put up these gaudy stats. But you're right. Like Maybe they have the, the least uh, uh, crazy transition because they're not directly going up against people. But in order for them to be like a difference maker, you know, a guy who can actually uh, make a difference on, on the team he's on, then they have to go up against uh, number one, number two defensive backs. Um, obviously, the shorter time span the quarterback has to throw the ball, the faster pace of the game. I mean, you say that, and I sort of agree with you, but let's put it in perspective. Maybe easier for wide receivers, but is that easier really like factor into anything we can even comprehend? <laughs> I I suppose it would it would get them on the field earlier. So I think one of the reasons why when you say a receiver really doesn't get over 800 yards and four touchdowns. They're not blocking. Season, That's why the running backs have to learn how to block and learn how to Sure, do, yeah. but I think part of it has to do with maybe receivers don't, you know, maybe a lot of these rookies don't even play the first few games, which doesn't give them the opportunity to put up those gaudy numbers. It's very, very rare that a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. comes in last year after missing four games and finishes as like the second highest fantasy scoring wide receiver. Yeah, you say we're not going to see that again. You say it's rare, but like in that same draft class, there were like three other guys that finished in the top 20, 25 players. Yes, but Beckham missed four games. He only played twelve games. I, I get that. I understand. I, I understand what so, happened. You know, but but Beckham, but, even if he wasn't even there, the wide receiver core last year would have been great. I'm just saying, like you know, the it's it's being pulled even further in the direction of you know craziness. I'm sort of backing you up in a way. You are, and I think I agree with you, but but also I don't want people to think that that because of what you're saying that means that it's going to continue to go up. No, I and I'm trying I I don't mean to imply that at all. I'm sorry, he was the fifth guy. That was an especially good year. Yeah. It's not going to be like that again anytime soon. Uh, nope. But it might still on an average be higher than normal. I agree with you there. So was Mike Evans a rookie last year? Yes. Or, okay. And he was fantastic. Yeah, so Mike Evans Beckham was fifth. Evans was like eleventh. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelvin Benjamin was down there around like eighteen or so. I'm just looking at the top twenty-five, and then Jordan Matthews was number twenty-five. So that's four guys who finish in the top twenty-five. Where's Watkins? Are you looking at uh, a regular or PPR? I'm looking at regular. Mm-hmm. Right. Drink five league. Yeah. So 
Watkins not in the top 25. I bet he's like 26. Yeah, he's number 26. Okay. So point is, there's a lot of receivers up there, but they're not normally like that. So we look at a guy like Funches, who's a second-round pick, and he could be really good, but they're not going to give him that opportunity like they did Benjamin last year because they don't have to. Right, and uh, the last player that uh, we got to mention that they picked up is Jared Boykin. So we've seen him do some things on the Packers, not gr- not amazing things. It really seemed like he worked better with um, who was the backup for Rodgers? Um, Matt Flynn. Yeah, Matt Flynn. I had that in my head. I didn't think it was right. Yeah. Anyways, it seemed like he did better with Matt Flynn than Aaron Rodgers. Um, so maybe he is the kind of guy that needs to develop a rapport with a with a quarterback in order to really succeed. So maybe this year isn't the year for him. But they do have a lot of options now. Before, it, you know, they they had Jericho Cotri, and that seemed like it. They had nothing behind him. Okay. Uh, we also have an ad, uh, Cameron Artis Payne, who you forgot off uh, your list here, uh, who is a rookie draft uh, pick who's a running back, and he led the SEC in rushing uh, last season. So he is a huge, fantastic running back who could easily – you know, take some carries from Jonathan Stewart, though more than likely he'll be groomed right now as the backup to take over when Jonathan Stewart in a year or two is too uh, old to carry on his role. I love this. So uh, SB Nation has a team page for every NFL team, and it's it's like a blog with a name, and they're all a little bit clever, but the Panthers is Cat Scratch Reader, which is by far the best one. So, I, I mean, yeah, that guy was in the fifth round. I kind of discounted him because of that. No, I don't think you should do that. Okay. He's going to be his backup now. Fozzie Whitaker is nothing in the NFL. Right. But uh, they, and they have Fat Mike Tolbert. Artis Payne take is over the, the backup line. for three down duties as a running back in, in the Panthers organization. And Jonathan Stewart is, you know, although he's, he's going to be a good back, he was a good back last year. He is when he gets a chance. He's also a good PPR guy. He catches a lot of stuff in the backfield. Um, I, he also gets injured a lot. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to see this artist pain in there. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, well. I mean... He's you know, definitely like a flyer pick or like a, a depth guy. So The brief the brief thing I read on him kind of looks to me like he's a Mike Tolbert backup. You haven't done a whole lot of research if you hadn't really heard of him. I, I know, I know. I'm just throwing that out there. Like I said, he was the SEC rushing leader last year at Auburn. I mean, that's that's no small potatoes. No, those are uh, good-sized potatoes. He had uh, 2,218 yards and 19 touchdowns on 394 carries yeah. uh, in Auburn. NFL comparison, Jonas Gray. So he's going to have four touchdowns in a game and then never be seen from again. That's a ridiculous comparison. <laughs> Isn't Jonas Gray like 23 years old? <laughs> Dude, they, I'm not the one who comes up with this the shit. The Patriots roster like 17 running backs that could all be amazing, but they never get a chance to. Because they show up late for practice and shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, this guy is good. He's a backup. But I'm saying, because Jonathan Stewart's fragile, watch out for him to take a role. This guy led the SEC in yardage? Yes. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Last year? Yes. It must have been kind of weak there. Well. I'm just giving you crap now. Is or isn't. I don't want to dwell on him. I'm just saying you left him out as a backup that could take over the role easily. Yeah. If Stewart goes down, he's the back for three downs. That's how it is. That's how it's going to be. So you have to know. That's like like the Bears, for example. They have Forte, but they have three other running backs that could take over that job, and no one knows which one it's going to be. Here, it would be the him. It would be him right now. So yeah. 
So you got you got to take that into 1600 yards, 13 touchdowns last year. You know. But like Remember, I said, they only play 14 games, dude. Let's not dwell on it. So let's uh, launch off on the rest of it. Well, I let's yeah, we were talking about the running backs. Of course, D'Angelo Williams is gone now. Right. Um so do you see Stewart as the kind of guy who should be drafted as a top 10 running back? No. But I think that, that Stewart uh, exists somewhere right outside of that. And, and if you're being an honest with yourself fantasy football player, you can't take injury into consideration. I think that Stewart is a top 10 PPR back if he's healthy all year. If he's not healthy or if, if uh, you're playing a regular league, then I would not even look at him to draft because I feel like at some point during the year he's going to be injured. I know you can't factor that into the rankings, I just feel like it's going to happen. Hey, everyone has players who they look at them and they say, I am going to value him lower than everyone else, or I'm going to not draft him. I knock him just down Just because I can't do it. Well, not only that, but I think people are overvaluing him because uh, he's been in the league a long time. We know that he like does well and produces if he's the only back. Yeah. But I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. That he's going to be the only back? Well, you know Tolbert will get some carries. Artis Payne will get some carries. I think Stewart will be the main back. Uh, but Cam Newton also runs, and that's stealing touchdowns. And, and Stewart was never like a super touchdown guy, you know? So what are you looking for in him? You're looking for a PPR back, probably, that has a good chance to get a whole bunch of all-purpose yards because he'll also rush in between the tackles as part of his job. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, in love with him as a PPR guy, necessarily. He started, you know, eight games last year, played in 13 of them. And he had 31 uh, targets, 25 catches only. Um, but I really like his 4.6 yards per carry. And I like the fact that in the last uh, four games that he played, three of them were 20 or more carries. So if he's going to be the kind of guy that is going to get 20 or more carries, you know, give me that. Give me some Jonathan Stewart as like a uh, probably, like you said, just outside the top 10. Yeah, well, I'm not going to draft him uh, unless he falls to me in the right spot. But I, I do think that Jonathan Stewart is a good guy. I had him in a couple leagues last year down the stretch. That was good for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's going to be their guy. If he if he gets injured, then you got you got issues. But if he doesn't, he's going to end up being right up there, probably like number 10, 11, 12 as a running back. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we mentioned Greg Olson earlier. There's really no need to discuss him. He is going to be a top five tight end. He's not going to have any competition on the team to pass him um so uh you know i see three legit fantasy player or sorry four legit fantasy players on this team right you got cam newton kelvin benjamin greg olson and jonathan stewart one at each position you know if you own both two of those guys you don't really have to worry about one taking too much work from the other one yeah uh, so i think that you know uh it's a good year to have a you know a panther or two on your team well let me give you my uh prediction so i'm a little down on kelvin benjamin who i think might regress slightly from his stats last year uh i'm a little down on jonathan stewart because i think he's being overhyped with his current adp and let me check out what that is his current adp yeah well you you grab it up uh but, but i do think that both cam newton and greg olson are due for another great year and they'll both be fantastic um as long as olson is healthy and newton is healthy they're they're they love to connect with each other and Olsen is probably going to be a good tight end for the next two to three years, being steady at his position, until those wide receivers are actually threats to him, just like you said. Uh-huh. I mean, if they if Kelvin Benjamin pans out 
And let's say that Funches starts catching some red zone, you know, touchdowns or uh, behaving like a like an NFL receiver, then they could be a dangerous team for a long time because their defense is top fifteen. Right. I mean, their arguably defense is, their argu- defense is top. 10. Arguably top ten. Yeah, with Luke Keekley on the team, you know, have a good time, gentlemen. You're gonna you're gonna kick somebody's ass. Yeah. So if their offense goes off, Carolina is a threat to go as far as they want to go. So here's where Fantasy Pros places Jonathan Stewart. Uh, his ADP at running back is 19, um, and then they have overall at 39, but then an ADP of 46. That's ranking. The, That's ranking versus ADP. Okay, so yeah, he's ranked 39. His ADP is 48. Yeah, meaning they're saying he's, he's drafted at the end of the fifth round. Overvalued or undervalued still? I don't know if that's true. So on Yahoo, he's majorly undervalued at an ADP of 70, but on ESPN, he's ADP of 42, so he's overvalued. I I don't think we should ever mention Yahoo again in the rankings seriously in our discussion. It's not Yahoo rankings; it's Yahoo ADP. Yeah. That's just that's where people draft. A bunch of Yahoo players. I mean, where do you think all the ADP data comes from that we look up all the time? A bunch of Yahoo players. Not the ADP that I've looked up. I, I usually take it from Fantasy Football Calculator or Fantasy Pros, places where I think the ADP is more Fantasy uh, Pros ADP educated. sources or NFL.com, ESPN.com, Yahoo.com. There's only like five. Yeah, I understand that. I'm saying... I. I Okay, I'm just being an idiot here, but I think that Yahoo probably houses a lot of, uh, um, shall we say, the less intelligent fantasy football players. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, rankings are different than ADP. What I'm saying is ADP is a measured value. ADP is where the average of everyone everyone drafts. thinks, right. Yes, exactly. Where the player is. So, yeah. (laughs) Sorry to go on tangent there. The point is, I think... Uh, no, I will always go on a tangent to discuss the finer points of fantasy football. Of Yahoo's uh, um, hive mind of, of fantasy players? <sighs> I guess. I mean, <laughs> if you keep saying Yahoo, my argument is going to become invalid. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, the point is, uh, I, whether he's undervalued or overvalued, that depends on your league and who's drafting in it. But I think that we would both take him if he was available at the right time. Um, I uh-huh. think that some people are overvaluing in him in thinking that he could be a top 10 running back. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Similar players to consider. Ellington, Murray, you know, Jordan Matthews, Deshaun Jackson. I would probably take Smith over, or Stewart over all of them. Like guys with a similar kind of uh, ADP, similar who, position. Who are the players you were mentioning? Andre Ellington, Latavius Murray, Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Matthews. Uh, interesting. I, I, mean, I, I would probably take Jordan Matthews. I think he's going to be really good this year. But uh, wide receiver versus running back is a whole different, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you compare. I compared a couple running backs and a couple other people who are in the similar overall, you know, section of the draft. Yeah, and I think I would take Stewart over some of those guys. Yeah. So he is, like you said, the number one. Uh, so what? Um, is your thinking as far as the Panthers are concerned? If all cylinders click, you know, if, if everything goes, mm-hmm. are they a team that makes the playoffs this year? Uh, yeah, if if they click this year like they're supposed to click, then they're going to win the division, and that of course means they're going to get a uh, you know a playoff home game. Okay. All right. So, anything else to say about the Panthers? No. All right. Cheers, buddy.
All right. Shall we go down to the bayou? Carolina. No, we're done with Carolina. New Orleans. I love that. Yeah, New Orleans, 7-9. and nine. So the Saints, you know, they've got Drew Brees, they've got Sean Payton. They're a bunch of badasses who, did they underperform last year, or are they actually kind of a bad team now? What did you see last year when you watched the Saints? Did you see a team that was making mistakes or a team that just couldn't figure it out? No, I think it's more like everyone else figured them out, and that's why they, they totally destroyed the whole team. Um, I think I think Drew Brees is, is going to be as good as he has always been, but his problem is that they were playing the same tricks with the same players. And eventually you figure out the three-card Monty trick. It only worked the one time. Yeah, but it was a really nice trick. It was great that time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the uh, Saints have added C.J. Spiller. to a, you know They signed him to a four-year contract. They gave Mark Ingram a four-year extension. So they are clearly you know, focused on the running back. And they have a good tandem there. I think Spiller and Ingram will probably split and both be really good. Um, uh, Both can be great in in different circumstances. The funny thing about the Saints, right, is that last year, wasn't it the whole time we were talking about, like, no matter who you have on the Saints, uh, they probably... The other guy is going to get the ball. They probably won't have a good game. (laughs) Uh, I don't think it'll be the case this year. I think it might be more like a, a... uh, one of those tandems where both players can be fantasy relevant. You mean like when Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones were rolling? Yeah, but you can't compare Spiller and Ingram to Charles and, and I'm not Jones. saying that either of them are as good as Jones. I'm just saying you'll get similar fantasy production. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yes. Okay. Um, the big, I suppose, the biggest news on this team is that Jimmy Graham was traded away to Seattle. Jimmy Graham who was obviously their best offensive weapon other than Drew Brees. And Kenny Stills, who we've been talking about for a long time, and I don't mean to cut off that, but, yeah. but they're, they're trading away their receiving core. Right. So uh, they cut Pierre Thomas. So obviously they're going with running backs, and they know the guys that they want. They're very confident in those guys. Um, so do you expect to see a very run-focused, run-first kind of New Orleans Saints this year? That's, that's certainly you know the way they've been playing their hands so far. Yes, that's what's happening. You know, this guy is playing a flush. You know that. You know it. Like when you're waiting for that last diamond on the river, you know that the other guy is betting into a flush. That's what these guys are doing right here. They're they're going to try to get the focus off of Breeze, which will allow him, uh, even though he's getting older, to keep throwing those great little passes uh, down the sideline or you know over the middle. And I think it could work really well. The problem is they got rid of their great receivers, and now they're they're banking on Colston and whoever else just happens to be there. Uh, yeah, they have Nick Toon, and they have um, who was the other guy that they picked up recently? Oh, Brandon Cooks. Well, Cooks I think will be a fantasy uh, gem because I mean he's just gonna catch everything that Breeze throws. He's he's the guy who's gonna be the the to go to target there. But I still think the game's gonna be mostly running for them. Uh, and trying to give Breeze the break that he needs. I mean, how many times has he thrown for over 4,000 yards? Drew Brees? Yeah. Drew Brees has thrown over 4,000 yards the last nine seasons in a row. This is my point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I predict he'll go over uh, 4,000 for sure for the 10th. 
maybe 4,500. Last year, he tied for the league lead in yardage again. Yeah, but this is obviously a different team. It was the fifth time he led the league in yardage. I don't. I don't think he can keep it there. They're Do you think he can pass over 4,000 yards, though? I mean, come on. He threw to guys like uh, Jimmy Graham who were sopping up targets, but before then, before Jimmy Graham existed, he was still throwing for that amount of yards. Yes. So I still think he'll be around 4,000. I'm thinking low, though, not high. I'm thinking you know, he has trouble getting there because I think that half of their plays are going to be running plays. And the Saints actually, oh, yeah. they probably ran a lot before, but it was just so divided that you didn't know from a fantasy perspective. Uh, still, it seems like they could go to maybe even a Last power Last year, run. I feel like they ran a whole lot. For sure. There were just a couple running backs to choose from, so you never knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I was playing Mark Ingram a whole lot last year at the end of the year, so I really felt like, you know, here we go. It's going to be a lot of Mark Ingram. And he was good for a couple weeks. It, he was. And I started him the right weeks, and I started him a few of the times when maybe I shouldn't have. But that's what happens with those guys, right? Well, there are running backs that will be good forever, like Le'Veon Bell. Uh, <laughs> we don't know that. He's had like two years in the league. No, I mean every game you play him in. Okay. Forever being one season. Well, forever doesn't last longer than What's a, Mark than Ingram's season. sample size of being an elite running back? Three games? I wasn't. Trying to claim that at all. Yeah. Well, my you point know. is, he's not a guy you can count on every time. It's, uh, But it might be something different now when they have Spiller there, too. Uh, Mark Ingram was the only running back that was a real substantial running back. Yeah, he was the only one who really contributed to the team. Uh, you know, Pierre Thomas didn't really have much to do for the team. Okay. So wide receivers, like you said, Nick Toon, is he anybody? Like, how will everybody perform as far as uh, the guys running, running downfield? Um, so Nick Toon, uh, I think has had like a little bit of like a half a season cumulative over two years. And he's behind both Colson and Cooks. So yes. he's probably not draftable. Uh, no, no, certainly not. He's a guy that you want to watch on your waiver wire. I could totally, Brandon Cooks is a guy who's going to get drafted, um, probably late. My, here's my guess. I'll look it up, but I'm thinking probably late, um, late, like eighth to ninth round. Kind of thing. Do you do you not remember what Brandon Cooks did last year? Uh, yeah, he was really he was pretty good. There he is. I'm not sure eighth ninth is the right. Oh wow, yeah, his uh, he's fifth ADP of sixteen. He's a high commodity. He's going to be Drew Brees' number one target. Like, Jimmy Graham is gone. Colston is getting older. There's yeah, no I guess I didn't receiver. look at it from the perspective of he is the new, like, anointed one. Yeah, he's the guy who's going to get all of the of the love from Brees. I think he's being overvalued, but I think it's going to be way higher than eighth. You are not looking at this guy the way you should be. Right. I mean, this places him late fourth round. So he played in 10 games, started 7, 53 catches, 550 yards, 3 touchdowns. Lots of shorter catches. So is that what we should expect? You know, 80 catches but like 1,000 yards? No. First half of the season. Second half of the season, uh, he had an average of about like 13 yards per catch with probably, um, I don't know, 80 yards per game and .5 touchdowns. So he moved up drastically as the season went on. 
Um, and I think that they can only get better now that he's literally moved up in the rankings. There is no stills. There's nobody else really to uh, to be competitive with him except for Colston. And Colston will do the same as he's been doing. He's not going to suddenly become amazing. It's it's Cooks that's going to get all the love from, from Drew Brees. So I think he may end up being the wide receiver one over there. Yeah, Colston's going to get 900 yards and four to five touchdowns. That's you know that's all he's going to be good for now. And Cooks might surpass him this season, especially if uh, Drew Brees is going to throw for four thousand yards. Someone has to get that. It's so, not, yeah, someone's got to catch it's it. It's not Jimmy Graham. And yeah, it, and it's not Mark Ingram and and CJ Spiller. And it's not whoever the hell they have to replace him. Josh Hill replaced Jimmy Graham. I feel like you haven't been paying attention to all the hype trains so far this year. I feel like it's a good thing to avoid a few hype trains now and then. So Josh Hill is the hype train because a oh, lot of yeah. people think he's going to be the new Jimmy Graham. But uh, from all that we've seen, he's not. And you can't really put that on anybody anyway because Jimmy Graham's a freak of nature and not everyone can perform at that kind of uh, level of athleticism. Uh, Josh Hill <laughs> is a guy they could throw the ball to. And he had a couple games last year where he had a weird amount of touchdowns, but that's because of Drew Brees and because he's Josh Hill and no one even knew he was lining up. It's yeah. not because he's going to take the place of Jimmy Graham in that <laughs> offense. Now there's no one for them to worry about. I mean, the defenses, that is. Yeah, well, or, or everyone, I guess, if it's Brees. Well, yes. He threw like that's four it. touchdowns to Josh Hill, so, you know, anybody. So Josh Hill is... ADP of 12 for tight ends, or ADP of 13, and overall ADP, uh, or overall rank is 113. Well, that's huge, because everyone thinks he's going to take over, and I think he might be a bust, to be honest with you. Because you know that Sean Payton will just pull from whoever is at that position and able to catch passes. Right. If Josh Hill doesn't prove himself right away, he's not going to be the go-to guy. So let someone else make this mistake. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my recommendation as well. Agreed. So I, I do uh, change my tune on Brandon Cooks. Ah, you know I I, I see I see be, where you're coming be from. A crazy bastard. I don't like him as number sixteen overall wide receiver. You know, being drafted there. He's overvalued. Overvalued. I like him in the mid twenties probably. But he's going to be good. Mm. Especially yeah, his PPR. He's I mean, going to get yeah. a ton of passes. Drew Brees is going to throw 4,000 yards. Somebody's got to catch that shit. Think about a PPR league, though. Like, Cooks, Cooks has already been doing well. Like, he could he could just so he could blow it up. So, I, what I try to look at on each of these teams is where is the actual, like, the real fantasy value that we're going to be starting every week. Clearly, that sits with Drew Brees. That, uh, you know, we can add Brandon Cooks to that list because it seems like he's going to be a guy who, you know, no matter where we think he may need to be ranked, is going to be a top thirty guy. He's a top starter every. He's week. a top twenty wide receiver in my opinion. Okay, so he's a he's an every week starter. Yes. Now, where do C.J. Spiller and Mark Ingram fall? I feel like they're going to be. I think they're both RB twos. I feel like they're both going to take too many carries from each other. I think they're both RB twos because both of them can break out for touchdowns. You liked Mark Ingram. You liked his runs. I like C.J. Spiller too. Yep, and they haven't had the opportunity to really be the guys in a run first offense. C.J. Spiller did pretty well in, you know, uh, for a year in the Buffalo okay. uh, offense. But at that time, they weren't the team that they are now. So I suppose the way that I look at this then would be that you, of course, are going to rather have guys that are getting all of the carries on their team. But if you have to go to a team that does running back by committee, 
you know, picking from just one of these two is probably going to be uh, an even sort of split where, you know, it's really hard to say who might do better than the other guy. Well, I vote CJ Spiller. Who I might think get... he's going to be great. Uh, I saw Mark Ingram last year who did well for a couple games and then started doing more poorly. Um, I, I think Spiller could excel in this offense. I think he might take over the job. Uh, I don't think both of them can exist as a split duo. Uh, so at some point during the year, uh, one will get injured or one will outshine the other and we'll have a number one running back in uh, New Orleans. In New Orleans. Because that's what they want. That's what they're going to. That's what they're trying to get. Yeah, C.J. Spiller has one just phenomenal season under his belt. Uh, 207 carries, 1,200 yards, 6 yards per carry. I mean... That's amazing. Well, he's he's fundamentally, I think, a, a, a more high-ceiling runner than Mark Ingram is. And Mark Ingram has shown that he can do well, uh, but not over a large period of time. Um, so we'll see. Mark Ingram's nine touchdowns last year make him the, you know, bring him back to even in my book. You know, over the same amount of time, over really over the same amount of time, C.J. Spiller has 12 touchdowns. Mark Ingram has 20. He can find the end zone, I think, a little bit better. C.J. Spiller has that home run ability, but Mark Ingram is the run between the tackles kind of guy. They might be stacking the box a little bit more, uh, especially because they don't have Jimmy Graham and some of those other big guys. Yeah, they're going to be able to. Well, I don't know. I see. When I think of stacking the box, they're still going to do that if they have to defend tight ends. You know, that's still going to benefit defending tight ends. I think that when you're uh, getting teams to not stack the box anymore is when they have to cover the outside. So I guess Jimmy Graham did line up, you know, in the slot. And he lined out everywhere. He was a wide receiver half the time. We, he we was had, basically a wide receiver. We that had an argument, argument last year about like whether he was a wide receiver or a tight end. Yeah, that is true. I guess I, I won that one. Thing. I don't know if that was better or not, but well, he stayed as a tight end. He, the NFL ruled that he was a tight end. Exactly. He got tight end uh, franchise money, and then they traded his ass. It's not because they don't like him as a player. Right. I mean, it's because they had they saw a good deal. Because they want to change their offense. Why else would you get rid of Jimmy Graham unless you're a fool? I see my suspicion with Jimmy Graham is that they know that he's hurt. He came or that he became like a problem with them or something like that. I don't see. It felt like a reason other than football. Why would they trade Stills? That I don't get. That one caught me by surprise. Then, not, not that the Jimmy Graham thing I was expecting. Then doesn't logic dictate that if there are two trades that caught you by surprise, then it means that they're changing their entire, like, Well, reasoning? I mean, we, and we said that at the top, that they're going to be, like, a big running team now. That's yeah. how they're playing their cards. There you go, then. But, I mean, of all the people, the guy who does a onside kick to start the second half in the Super Bowl may be playing some major misdirection here. Yeah, well, but I don't know that that would be a thing that you could actually do with your setup of your team. I, I don't see that as a possibility. But well, like, we're going to make everyone think we're a run team and then throw the shit out of the ball. We already know that you're going to throw the shit out of the ball. Yeah. So Falcons? Atlanta Falcons finished 6-10 last year. Um, so they haven't done a ton on their offense uh, in terms of you know big impact players. It's a lot of role players, some secondary guys. So they've been trying to fill that Tony Gonzalez-sized hole uh, at their tight end position for a while. And it didn't work out for them last year. They had, what's his face, Levi and Toilolo 
He's a six eight guy, but he's just not. He's too big to be a football player. He's not graceful enough. Uh, so this year they signed Jacob Tammy. Ooh. And they signed uh, Tony Moyaki. Now, Moyaki got a smaller one-year contract. Tammy got two years, $4 million. So clearly, he's going to be the guy who they see as their number one. Um, they've also uh, re-signed Antone Smith to uh, the running back to one-year contract. Eric Weems, wide receiver, re-signed to a two-year contract. And they drafted Tevin Coleman, uh, the running back, third-round pick, number 73 overall. So they're... Uh, like I said, not a ton of like big names or big impact players for Atlanta because they've already got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Roddy White. They did hire uh, Kyle Shanahan as an offensive coordinator, which changes their entire offense, uh, which is going to really help Julio Jones, in my opinion, because he's always been an X guy, and he like throws overwhelmingly to the X. So uh, they already do that. Right, they already throw the the shit out of the ball to Julio Jones. They do, but I feel like this year is going to be when he is like the most amazing wide receiver. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't see a situation and that he doesn't come out as the top three, if not the number one guy in the league. I yeah, it really feels like he should be the number one, even drafted. Not not the number one overall, but the number one wide receiver drafted. And if you're PPR or something, then then maybe the number one. Uh, I think he's going to be all day, all year. And and the weird thing is, you know, Roddy White, who I love and who's an amazing PPR receiver, he might just uh, start to tail off this particular year. I think that if Roddy White can stay healthy all year, he's going to continue his Roddy White-esque performance. Sure, but the ball was spread around by the last offense, and Kyle Shanahan naturally and in his past offenses – passes overwhelmingly to the X receiver. So that means Roddy White might get a little bit cut down on. you got to look at the OC and what the OC does. Sure, but you know the OC also uh, does what he has to work with. So what team was Kyle Shanahan on in the past? We'll look up Kyle's... Uh, look up his creds. His career. So Kyle Shanahan um, was uh, the OC for Cleveland and the OC for Washington. So last year in Cleveland, the four years before that in Washington. So in Cleveland, he didn't really have a whole lot going on there. And they just cleaned house there. So that's not even necessarily a personal thing with him. They got rid of their head coach. So, of course, a lot of the coordinators are just going to be gone. Um, he was the youngest coordinator in the NFL when he joined. <laughs> Back in 2008. He was three years younger than Josh McDaniel, Big McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, huh? Josh McDaniels. So, uh, Roddy White, you know, his ADP is number five at wide receiver. Is that undervalued? Is it silly to discuss under and overvaluing in the top couple of players? Roddy White? No, no, no Julio Jones. Where is his ADP? Five. Yeah, see, uh... Is that overall? No, overall number 14. I, I would appreciate it if you would just say the overall number. Because I don't know if you're talking about like a, a specific position. Oh, well, the first time I said 5, I said wide receiver 5. Okay. Regardless, so that's 14, which is the uh, beginning to middle of the second round. Uh, I think Julio Jones needs to be the first or second receiver taken overall. It needs to be probably Julio Jones and Antonio Brown in some order, which I cannot determine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, I look at Roddy White's numbers, and I think that if he stays healthy, he's going to have, a, you know, over 1,000 yards and probably at least five touchdowns. That's going to, you know, complement Julio Jones, who obviously just can put up gaudy, ridiculous numbers. You know, he has, on his career, 15.6 yards per catch. Yes, but his career is long. It's and... only four. I mean, Julio, only four years. No, you're talking about Roddy White. Julio is 15.6. Right. Roddy White is more of a, especially lately, more of like an 11 to 11 and a half kind of guy. Okay, well, I, I totally am behind Julio Jones. I totally agree. I you know I brought him up earlier, and I think that uh, he will be the number one or number two guy overall. So, well, overall for receivers. Yeah. Roddy White's ADP is uh, number 32 for wide receivers. And he's you know way down at like a seventh round end of the seventh round pick, uh, for any you know overall. So um, still obviously right on that bottom end of starting all the time. So completely totally fantasy relevant at this point. He's going to be it you know owned in every league and he's going to be starting every week. I'm still a little low on uh, on Roddy White on the Whitester. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. But I guess uh, there's not a whole lot else to discuss at wide receiver on this team. Uh, Harry Douglas was a nice fill-in when somebody would get injured, and you could almost count on him to have good games when he was the first or second guy on the team. But he's gone. So who's the other receiver that could come in? They have um, they have Eric Weems, who they re-signed. There was also a draft pick, and I did not write his name down. But I will find it by the time I'm done talking. Um, but he kind of seems like the kind of guy who is going to be able to replace Roddy White. So the Falcoholic, which I assume is the SB Nation blog for the Falcons, um, they drafted Justin Hardy out of ECU. And they literally call him a Harry Douglas replacement. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Harry Douglas caught 80 balls when Julio Jones wasn't around. I don't know that they're... Uh, Especially right away, the 107th guy picked overall is going to be doing that. Well, that was a pass-happy, spread-around offense. So whoever was in there was going to be getting a lot of balls, regardless of how good they were. Harry, Harry Douglas was great for a couple of weeks, uh, if I remember correctly. Maybe two weeks or something like that. Yeah, yeah, when Roddy White would actually sit and not be a uh, decoy. Yeah, because he has problems. He has you know uh, health problems. He's yeah. getting older, etc. Does, uh, that, does that temper your expectations with him? Well, that is, and what I said about Kyle, et cetera, like I, you know, maybe I can uh, can throw that into an article or something, but uh, I had seen a chart before that said um, how many X got compared to the other receivers on the team, and it was always so much more. When I looked back to Julio and Roddy, it was like uh, 60-40, and it seems like this might just be a wider spread. Okay. Um hmm. We'll see. Uh, but how about running back? Uh, it's kind of weird, right? Because Steven Jackson's gone. Yes. And he's probably not going to be signed by anybody. That's, unless It's going to help the team, really. Unless anybody needs uh, like a lot of veteran depth, he's not going to be re-signed. Uh, let's be honest, though. He'll, he'll be probably taken in some team's backfield, at least for... Uh, he's not going to you know remain a free agent the whole year. Yeah. He may play a game or two. And uh, they also lost uh, Jaquiz Rogers. So that leaves them with Tevin Coleman and um, Devonta Freeman. Freeman, who was last year sort of the guy who was going to take over the role. So one of those two will get the, the nod. So which one is it? You know, 
it seems like a lot of people are kind of hot on Tevin Coleman. He he's a third round pick, but they'll give the incumbent a chance first. I think so. This is going to be the kind of thing that really starts to shake out in the draft. Freeman is only a second or third year guy. The draft? You mean the? I'm the sorry the the pre-season. training camp and preseason. Yes. Yeah. Um, what I would love to see is some more Anton Smith. He tears it up every time he touches the it's ball. It's not going to happen though. I know. I know. He's only good like touching the ball twice in a game. He's he's a statistical <laughs> oddity. And I love shit. Does like he have that. a touchdown on like every two games or something ridiculous? He had a touchdown like five or six games in a row. Or no, it's like every three touches or something. Yeah, it's a touchdown. It was like, man, it was really ridiculous. Come on, they pay him like nothing, and he gets to like go out there and have a fifty percent chance of scoring a touchdown. People buy his jersey. <laughs> I, I would take you know? an Anton Smith jersey. I would take that. I like him. All right, so. Um, what if he becomes like a running back? He'll be better than Adrian Peterson out there. He'll be like every three touches a touchdown. Fantastic. <laughs> so Matt Ryan uh, was the number seven fantasy quarterback last year. He's been very healthy every season. I expect him to remain. We, we shouldn't have to talk about health as much as we do, I suppose. Um, but but everybody hated him last year. Like if they had him as their quarterback. I had him. I loved him. Well, what's funny is it's one of those things I think where like at the beginning of the year for a couple games, kind of like Tom Brady, like he just underperformed. Yeah. And and then he, like the stats even out as you go on. Look, Matt Ryan is the girlfriend that isn't crazy. What's Matt Ryan's ADP? His ADP, let's see. At one point, if it was like uh, last year maybe, or the year before, because of Julio Jones and Roddy White, like he was he was supposed to be like a top five quarterback, and that just never, it never panned out for him. They've got issues in Atlanta, and it's the offensive line is the issue. Uh huh. So his ADP is QB number nine, um, and that's an overall. So he's saying top ten again this year. So yeah, uh, top ten guy this year. I see that, and he was ranked seven. You know, is where they put him in the uh, consensus rankings. You got to remember, every year though, we've been we've been talking about him being top ten. I think this might have been the first one where he actually made it. I'm I'm not even sure if he if he did make it, but he I, he was I number seven. Did. He was. He was. I. I definitely looked that one up beforehand. Dude, he's thrown over four thousand. He's thrown over forty five hundred yards the last three years. I know he's been. He's been overrated as a top five quarterback because I'm familiar with that. Yes. Uh. So now he's gotten down farther to like five to ten, lower ten. I'm okay with that as a pick for Matt Ryan, especially because I think him and Julio Jones are going to go off to maybe even a record breaking kind of Calvin Johnson esque season this year. I think Matt Ryan is the kind of guy who. Gets you enough consistency over the season to be, you know, an amazing uh, guy at the end of the year. But you're not going to get too many games out of him where he goes nuts and he scores you more than 30 fantasy points. That's just barely, it might happen once during the year. Matty Ice, he's pretty good. Yeah, he, he is. All right, so... The last position really on this team to worry about is tight end. They haven't been able to replace Tony Gonzalez. They have Jacob Tammy now. They have Tony Moyaki now. Who do you think out of those two um, is going to get more no receptions? Nobody. <laughs> I think that team is not about their tight end after Tony Gonzalez, and they're not going to focus on them, and they don't care about them, and none of them will be fantasy relevant. Kyle Shanahan, yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
you know, you talk about these guys' offenses, and of course they try and uh, implement them uh, always because they like their certain styles. But at the same time, they're going to have – it's going to look different on every team because they have different guys to work with it. In my so, opinion, like, he, he doesn't have to dump off to the tight end because his quarterback and wide receivers are so good that it's not necessary. And are these the kind – are these dump-off tight ends? These aren't these aren't guys who are going to be running routes, are they? Jacob Tammy? Right. He's a blocker and a receiver, but not a great one. And same with Moyaki. I mean, they both can make plays. They both can score a touchdown, but they're neither of them are going to be all-star tight ends. It's not going to happen. It's not what they are. That's not what's going to what happen with the offense. And you're right, Kyle Shanahan does like tight ends as well. But I, if you have Roddy White and Julio Jones to pass to, and you have a, a running game that might actually be better than Steven Jackson, then there's no reason for you to really look at your tight ends uh, besides blocking. Yeah, I suppose you know you could certainly make the case that they don't need a tight end. Do you think they'll use one? <sighs> I can't see it being the too fantasy relevant. relevance. You do like an actual startable tight end receiving tight end. I, I like Tammy, by the way. Levine Tololo was the leading receiver at tight end last year for two hundred and thirty-eight yards. He started all sixteen games at tight end because they only know. fifty-four targets. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's like. That's like, um, well, I, I can't think of. He barely a, had two catches per game. I can't think of a funny comparison right now, but regardless, <laughs> give us a sad comparison. I think the tight end performance will improve on Toy Lolo, but it's never going to go back to Gonzalez in the next two three years. Right now, all they're doing is focusing on the the running and wide receivers. They need the tight ends to block for the wide receivers and the running backs. That's why they have them because they're good blocking tight ends. I, I do like Tammy, though. I think that Tammy could be a good uh, receiver. He I, has no ADP. He's not going to be drafted because he's not going to perform. I know. I just thought I'd look that one up. It's too bad because I think he could be okay. By the way, I will. I would not bet on you this year about Ertz like I did last year because I think Ertz, Ertz could be pretty good this year. Oh, well, thanks. He's starting to be more of a blocker, etc. Yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean that was another team where you had like a Moyaki Tammy combination, right? Where there were two tight ends that they wanted to go to for different reasons, granted. Um, but the Eagles wanted to have Brent Selleck out there for blocking, and then they wanted Ertz for a, like a move tight end. Yeah. They only ended up having like sixty forty split, and the sixty went to the blocker because that's more important on that offense. That's exactly what I think will happen here. Maybe it's Tammy Moyaki. Maybe it's 60-40. doesn't matter. won't be relevant. So the only real relevant guys on this team fantasy-wise then are Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Roddy White. And either Tevin either, Coleman or Devontae Freeman, whoever ends up being the number one guy. If they wind up splitting, do you see either of them as being valuable? Yeah, I think they want to go back to a running team. But I mean, a, a two-headed, you know, sort of split. It won't happen. They're, they're going to pick one, and they'll make them their guy for the most of the carries. How many teams split carries evenly? A lot of teams, I think, do it now. I'm not sure that that's the case. For a while, it's felt like uh, the guys, the, the teams that only go with one guy, was the exception. Mm, but it's not like that anymore. Now, now it's gone back to the three-down back, and maybe if not three-down, then two-down back, where the fourth down is not a running back <laughs> kind of <laughs> equation. You know. 
uh, still, usually one guy has at least like a two to one or yeah. Even even last year, one and a half the, to one with, with them. You know, Stephen Jackson had 190 attempts. Yeah, he was the Freeman guy. had 65. Rogers had 58. They'll pick one. I just don't know which one it is yet. That's the thing. Yeah. But like you said, I I think it's going to be Tevin Coleman coming in. But Devontae Freeman, it's his job to lose. So he's probably the best bet right now. However, his ADP is probably really low. Um, he might be overhyped, but I'm thinking maybe 7th or 8th round. Yeah. The kind of split I'm thinking of is something more along the lines of like a Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Hill had 222, Bernard had 168. I can't, I can't, get I can't good... even compare them because I, I've not seen these guys play in the NFL. Really. Mm. Freeman was okay. I mean, yeah, Freeman only had 3.7 yards per carry. It's there really like there isn't anything to even go off of, which means, for me, don't draft him. You didn't well, see you him were play. the one just saying that one of those guys is going to be relevant. That's why I'm saying don't draft one of them. <laughs> but draft the other? No, who, who knows? Don't draft gonna, either of them. How do you know who's going to be the relevant one? I don't think either of them are going to be very relevant. Well, then you don't draft them. Right. Whether they split carries or whether one of them wins the, the fight, your odds are against you. The odds are against you. If one of them wins the fight, I could see one of them as being a decent backup. But the odds are against team. you. This is a player you pick yeah. up halfway through the season. The odds are never in your favor with uh, running backs in Atlanta. Whoever wins that battle, that's the guy you pick off off the 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 waiver wire because somebody dropped him because he underperformed in the first two games. Ah, smart. I mean, who's going to draft Devontae Freeman? You? Not me. Not me. Not I. And Tevin Coleman's a rookie running back who doesn't even have very good credentials. I don't think I can take him. Like, ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty much never. Fuck that. Yeah. Okay, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are a, an amazing 2-14 and 14 last year. But they got so many great players. They had the first overall pick in the draft. So they took Jameis Winston with the number one overall. A hopeful franchise quarterback. A guy who they want to play for another 20 years. Um, so we'll see how well that works out for them. He was very talented in school, obviously. Um, Do you not believe in Jameis Winston? I. He. Meh. What? I, I haven't seen very much of him. I. He was a fantastic quarterback. I know, but what, like. What is it that you don't like about him? Okay, is he better coming out of school than Cam Newton or RG3? You know, I, I don't think so. Maybe was like, RG three the number one draft pick? RG three was number two. Uh, Andrew Luck was number one that year. You're talking about in that draft class, yes. But I, I'm I'm comparing a running, you know, a guy who runs and throws. I don't know. Is Jameis Winston closer to an Andrew Luck style quarterback? Yes. He's okay. Clo- no, he's closer to like a Ben Roethlisberger quarterback. Okay, he's he, really big. Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's like gonna a, scramble, but not rush a lot. He's not a massive Cam Newton rushing touchdown heavy quarterback. He's, I feel like Ben Roethlisberger could be that guy. Well, could do what Cam does. Maybe, but then he, he only played like four years. And then he would have like gone to an old folks home. Or yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> no. I think he's very uh, similar to that. So he is going to pass. He's a good passer. Uh, Mariota um, actually, you know, rushes a lot. I, I don't, I don't know that Winston should be known as a guy like Cam Newton. Uh, I'm not exactly sure that that's that's the comparison we should make. Okay. I mean, he's six four, two thirty. Played for Florida State. Uh, 
He had he had pretty good stats in his college career. There were a little bit of uh, character personality issues. So let's check out his draft profile. They'll give us who he's like. All right. Who to compare him to? Um, Eli Manning is the NFL comparison. There you go. So if he throws fewer interceptions than Eli Manning and can win two Super Bowls, then uh, good job, Tampa Bay. Well, let's be honest. If anybody turns out to an Eli Manning, who is a borderline elite quarterback in the NFL, then he's a good quarterback. Sure. And by the way, I think Manning is going to be amazing this year with, with his stable of stuff. And we still have the NFC East to go over. He, oh, he, yes. He should be fantastic. You, Everyone always forgets that Eli Manning is good like every couple years. Where it's time for the upswing. And do you know, and you know what kind of receivers and running backs they have over there? <laughs> it's crazy. It's like the Ricky Gervais line from The Office. You only ever see uh, the valleys when you're down in them. And you only ever see the troughs when you're coming down from the backside. Yeah. I, I totally butchered that quote, by the way. My point is, um, you know, everyone thinks Eli Manning's gonna do well when he's uh when he really sucks. And they when he's doing well, they're like, Oh, well, he's starting to suck. Maybe. I, I've always liked Eli Manning as a person who's always undervalued and will generally give you more than than, you know, they people think he that he will. Uh, especially this year, because his stable of wide receivers, just look at those. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on back to the Buccaneers. So they also drafted, and not fantasy player, but Donovan Smith, uh, left tackle uh, with the 34th overall pick. So that's a very high draft pick, and it's basically insurance for your number one pick. Um, aside from that, they didn't do a whole lot uh, in fantasy relevance. They claimed Tim Wright off of waivers, but it's anyone's guess if he's really even going to catch many passes. Um, and they got rid of Josh McCown, a guy who they made very, you know, pretty rich last year, and then uh, decided that it was the complete wrong thing to do. Um, so he's in Cleveland now. No worries about Josh McCown. And then, you know, Lovey Smith is just like adding all kinds of ex bears, right? So they got Henry Melton, Chris Conti, and Major Wright. All like bears from uh, old defensive bears. Okay, so quarterback, how does he do? Um,. I see him as a uh, top 15 to 20. That's great. That'd, that'd be fine for a first-year thing. I agree with that. I don't think he'll be an immediate, immediate top 10. However, they do have Vincent Jackson and uh, and Mike Evans. And i got to tell you, uh, with an actually good quarterback, even if he is a rookie, I feel like a guy like Jameis Winston and Mike Evans could, could hook up for even more points than he got in the 2014 season. And yeah. if that happens, then Mike Evans would be among the top five wide receivers at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, Evans did score 12 times last year, which, you know, I have a hard time finding him, you know, eclipsing those numbers. He had a bad quarterback throwing him the ball. He found the end zone. Like He's an amazing receiver. He's going to keep doing that. If he can keep up a pace of 12 touchdowns, that's incredible. With a better quarterback. I, that's a very that's incredible is what I'm saying. I agree. Um, if, if Odell Beckham Jr. had not been in the draft class last year, Mike Evans would have been the story of the year. Sure, sure. He would have definitely been the rookie story of the year. The, you know, Vincent Jackson only had two touchdowns last year, but they both finished right around the same yardage, like between 1,000 and 1,100 yards. I see them both reaching that yardage, but I think that the touchdown totals are going to even out. Mike Evans might get like 10 touchdowns, and then Vincent Jackson will be up to like, you know, five, six, 
maybe seven. So yes, the they're going to improve as a group, but I don't think that Mike Evans is going to be able to beat the kind of numbers that he had last year. Evans has no tight end competition, and he has no running back competition that has proved them themselves just yet. Uh, so basically, he is the red zone threat for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, so is Mike or Vincent Jackson. Um, no, he's not as tall. He can't jump as high. He's not as good as a red zone threat as Mike Evans, which he's is why he's like an inch taller. Which is why. Uh, you know, all those passes went to Evans. And I hear that Evans and Winston ha- already have, like, a really good, uh, um, you know, uh, connection. Look, even the very best players have a hard time maintaining that kind of touchdown, uh, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Density. You know, scoring that many touchdowns in a year. Mike Evans is not even going to score 10 touchdowns in 2015. That's a bet. Okay. Mike Evans scores 10 or more touchdowns. Okay. That is an easy bet. He's going to be amazing. If you don't want to draft him, don't draft him. I didn't say don't draft him. Winston to Evans, he will be a top 10 wide receiver this year, no problem. Uh, Okay. Mike Evans, over 10 touchdowns. 10 or over. 10 or more touchdowns. Fantastic. Uh, What what shall we wager, Dave? What shall we wager? Uh, Kuma's corner. Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you guys have not been to, it's a wonderful little location in Chicago that boasts one of the best and most flavorful hamburgers uh, either side of the Mississippi. Interesting. Dave, you have a message. Uh, and they open tomorrow in Schaumburg. Tomorrow's July 1st. I wonder if they're, they're still opening. If they're still on schedule. No, they're not opening July 1st. They're just opening in July. In July. All right. Well, that'll be fun. Um, I've seen the wording on the sign, so it's it's good It's good news. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so who else? I mean, you know, you've got another one of these pairs of wide receivers, right? I think regardless of where we think they'll exactly land, they're both going to be very fantasy relevant, right? And it's going to be kind of a Julio, the same sort of situation as the Falcons in that the young guy is going to be the more dominant guy and then the veteran is still going to be there, is still going to be uh, catching a lot of passes, but maybe not uh, as much as the rookie. I actually think the same thing I think of the other team, although a little bit less so. uh, They're just a B version of that. Well, yeah, in that Mike Evans is going to totally eclipse Jackson. Jackson will get a lot of passes, just like Roddy White will get a lot of passes, but the, this is not a close comparison. Like, I'm talking about tier tier two versus tier four receiver. That's what I'm talking about with those guys. Oh, okay. I think, I think Evans and Julio are at another level now that Jackson and Roddy are. And it's just, it's about ex- explosivity. It's about, like, blowing up. When you get the when you get the ball, yeah, and those guys are no longer available, like able to accelerate so quickly and, and get a whole bunch of yards after catch. I just don't think it's going to happen. So, I'm with the younger guys for sure. Um, I think the other guys could maybe do well in PPR. Uh, I think they're you know going to start their slow decline, uh, which is not so slow anymore. <laughs> the slow decline rolls down a cliff eventually. 
you know, when we started doing this podcast, for example, there were a lot of players that, like Roddy White, that were in every day, every game, consistent uh, WR1 slash high-end WR2. Totally. Every single game. Totally. And now they're not that anymore. This year, they won't be. They'll be the first time they'll be going into, like, WR2, you know, to maybe some games WR3. I think that's, Roddy White's a WR3 this year. And that's too bad. Uh, because we do see the slow fall of of these fantasy players. Yeah. Um. So we've got Jameis Winston. We both think that he's going to be somewhere in the fifteen to twenty. Um, my sort of prediction on him is that uh, you're going to want him as a backup uh, quarterback. He's probably not going to be available on the waiver wire. He's probably going to be on someone's team. Someone's going to take away a flyer on him in case he does breakout a la Cam Newton in his rookie year. Uh, and, you know, if, if he does get to scramble some more, then his fantasy floor is going to be higher than it would be if he was just a passing quarterback. So, you know, we'll see what happens with him, what they do uh, during the preseason with him. If he plays, like, a whole lot, if he's able to be unleashed, or if they really kind of keep a lid on everything they want to do with him. Yeah, that is one of the things that's weird about preseason is that you you see these teams that really want to uh, break into all of their plays and everything they're going to do, but but ultimately because they don't want to give any of that up, they just end up running standard uh, offensive plays and being resulting in pretty boring preseason games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe his rushing ability is more like an Aaron Rodgers, where he's going to pick up smart yards and he's good at it and he's, he's athletic. He's going to score touchdowns, but he's not going to put up big rushing numbers. Well, he's not a huge rushing quarterback. I don't know where you got that from. I I thought somebody was telling me about it. And then I kind of ran with it a little bit. And then I looked up numbers. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's a good quarterback, and he can scramble around. Uh, and he's a 6'4 guy, so he's not, like, super high. Well, he's got seven rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, he knows his way around the line. Right, but but but... Comparisons to a, a Roethlisberger, you know, slash Manning kind of thing is more applicable than like a Wilson slash uh, Newton sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the, the the problem with him was that he had some off field issues, um, and we'll see if that really translates to anything. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. Um, but yeah, I think Mariota was a was a more uh, rushy kind of quarterback than Winston ever was. Yeah. Um, so finally we have to talk about the running game in Tampa Bay. It is tumultuous at best. They've got Doug Martin who had an amazing rookie year and then was just totally maligned the next couple of seasons. He was maligned. Injuries and sluggish play. It was like everybody was like crappy going, teams. Everybody was going after him. Yeah, a little bit. There was like a hate train going on. Because he wasn't What's performing What's the opposite well? of the hype train, Dave? He wasn't performing well. But, I mean, did he suddenly become a completely different player? Yeah. He was on a bad team. He was the muscle hamster. Did he only run well because he was uh, against uh, behind a great O-line? Is, I mean, is that what he enjoyed in his rookie year? You tell me. I, I don't know the details of the offensive line in Tampa Bay. Um, so, he is... Still in line for the starting job on this team, but the leash is you know about an inch long. It's his to lose, and if he loses it, then it becomes. It'll be Charles really Sims. easy for him to lose it. Yeah, 
And uh, honestly, the best runner statistically in the past couple of years there is Bobby Rainey, who's the number three guy. But that doesn't really matter because on this team, which is managed by Lovey Smith, uh, we're just taking any uh, statistics or factual information about players and throwing them at the wall. Seeing, <laughs> and seeing what sticks. And seeing you know if they break, you know what's inside of them, whether or not there's gum. I don't know. Lovey Smith is an idiot. Gum kind of holds it all together, doesn't it? And he's an idiot. You, you can tell it from bringing Henry Melton, Chris County, and Major Wright back onto the team. Yes, yes, definitely. He apparently just has guys he likes and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the one thing I could see out of that is he's running a defense that those guys know. Their defense wasn't even very good last year. It was it was over The Tampa Bay defense? Oh, yeah. Not good. They have Gerald McCoy, who is an amazing defensive player, but that's all they have. Now, when, when the Bears had Tommy Harris in the center, the way that the Buccaneers have Gerald McCoy right now, they were able to do a lot. But the Bears also had Mike Brown and Brian Urlacher. So, you know, when Lovey they get Smith, a safety and a, and a linebacker, then come talk to me. Lovey Smith was only good because of the players he had at his disposal. He is not a good coach. He's not being a good coach. He's not going to be a good coach, and he's going to be fired after this year is over. Oh, that's interesting. And someone else is going gonna, is gonna to take on the Jameis Winston... Uh, Mike They're going to get an offensive-minded guy in there to take over that. Austin Safarian Jenkins. They'll they'll become Who's a, the offensive coordinator there. Isn't it uh, Dirk Ketter or Cotter or whatever the heck his name is? Uh, you got me. I I don't uh, I don't approve of their offense. I don't think it's going to be <laughs> I do very not good. Approve. But what I do think will happen is Mike it's Evans. It's their choice, Dave. They can do what they want with their offense. No, I think I think Evans and Jackson will get the brunt of it. I think. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins is like a breakout candidate at tight end. I don't think Tim Wright will play uh, much. I, I think he'll play as much as he played in the in New England. Get like 200 yards and a touchdown or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think you got like those basic four dudes. That's three wide wide or two wide receivers at the, the tight end and whoever the running back is. But as far as real fantasy production, you can't count on Doug Martin, right? You're not going to draft Doug Martin, are you? Hell no. Okay, I'm not either. And I think that the only guy you could draft on this team that will put up the amount of, of numbers that you're looking for is Mike Evans. Um, I mean, yes, everyone wants those numbers. I think that Vincent Jackson is a worthy candidate as well. Mike Evans' ADP is WR12. Um, but his overall ranking is as high as 25. So that's um, kind of surprising. 12. I said WR12. Yeah, I don't. What's the overall? His overall ranking is 25. I'm sorry. I don't. I, I can't. You can't tell me what his ranking is overall and then tell me what his WR like ranking is. It's totally different stats, right? It's I totally, listed both stats. They're different contexts. Right. They are different contexts. So I can't, I can't figure that out. So you're saying that his ADP is what? His ADP is the 12th wide receiver. No, 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 the overall ADP. Oh, I don't know. I don't have that in front of me. His overall ADP... Well, you were telling me what his overall ranking was, right? Yeah. So... The consensus ranking. Let's compare the overall ranking to the overall ADP. It's not comparable to... Uh, The... You know, the page that I'm used to looking at doesn't have it listed. 
which is why I can't give it to you. All right, sorry, no, no worries. <laughs> uh, I, I think that Mike Evans is a guy that you could draft at value. I think Vincent Jackson is a guy you can draft at value. I think both those guys are good. I think Winston might be, uh, Jameis Winston might be a little bit overvalued, uh, but we won't know until the end of the year. I think that Safarian Jenkins is a breakout candidate at tight end, but it's somebody that you probably shouldn't be drafting in a redraft league. Yeah. And I think that um, as far as the running back is concerned, if someone does break out there, they could do well, but don't take them. Let someone else make that decision, please. Okay, I know how to read this now, if you want me to give you the numbers. Sure. So he is 28th overall. Okay. And it's not a ranking. That's his ADP overall. And the, he's the 12th wide receiver. What? Wait, the ADP is the first number you're giving me? The the overall ADP. What's his when o- I say overall, I mean every position. What's his overall ranking? Uh, you're asking now. You're asking me two different stats. I don't know how you I mean. C- you mean his overall like consensus ranking? Yeah, I don't know how I could qualify his ranking as a wide receiver and then like his overall ADP or the opposite. It makes no sense. As as stats that conform together, they don't. You know, you, you have to tell me. His ADP is wide receiver, his rank is wide receiver, or his rank overall, his ADP overall. Otherwise, how do I make sense of that information? This is, whatever website you're on seems like it doesn't it's nonsensical. It's fantasy pros. It's where everybody goes to get that data. Well you just go to I'm overall just reading different parts of it, I guess. One of the part of the charts is uh, is an ADP and one's the ranking. I can tell you what it is real quick here. Well, I mean I have it here. I don't understand why you can't tell me the answer. So overall, his his ranking is twenty five. Okay, and that's a consensus ranking. And what's his ADP overall? Uh, it is twenty eight. Okay, there you go. That's all I'm saying. So they're ranking him higher than his ADP. They're saying that although he'll get drafted normally in drafts that are uh, at the end of the third round, we would take him more the middle of the third round uh, as an overall consensus. Yeah. So he's being undervalued as a player, then I would, I would generally agree with that because I think he's going to improve even more because his quarterback is better. Um, well, look, I think he'll improve as a player, but I don't think that he'll match. Like I said, he's not going to match the touchdowns he had last year. That's for sure. Well, we have a bet about that. We certainly do. But as far as Tampa Bay is concerned, I think they improve on their record from last year because it was it was two and fourteen. I think they'll be more like a five uh, or six win team this year, uh, and we'll actually see some good games from Tampa Bay because they do have good players, and uh, it'll be despite Lovey Smith, not because of it. And Lovey Smith will be fired at the end of the season. Yeah, I you know one of the things you asked me about uh, off off the show off air about the division was, you know, what do you think about it in general? And I definitely see... All of them doing better. Exactly. Yeah, that's what you said. And I I agree with you, but it's weird to say that all the teams could do better because that doesn't generally happen. Right. right? Especially because they play each other. So if you had to pick one team, one team, that would do worse than they did this year, would it be the Falcons, the Saints... Or the Panthers, because the, the Buccaneers are not going to win one game. <laughs> I think the Saints would do worse. I kind of agree with you. I think they destroyed their team, and I don't know what they were thinking, but they're idiots. They blew it up, and that's why I think that they have they, they would have the largest chance. I still think, you know, overall, where I'd put my money, that they would improve to at least 8-8. Eight and eight. 
However, they have to win eight games. They have the biggest chance at regressing. I think the Falcons day. and Panthers are the, the easiest uh, to improve. And of course, Tampa Bay. Well, because they're two. I'm not counting them. Okay, they're going to win at least three games. Right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I will not bet you on that. The Panthers have to win eight, and I think they will. And the Falcons have to win seven, and I think they will. So here's another question. If the NFC South is improving, then what division will go down? Will decline. Will decline. Huh. And just by even a game or two, like just off the top of your head, what what division do you think will do worse than they did the previous year? I think that the AFC West will do worse. The Broncos and the Chiefs and the Chargers have all been uh, achieving or overachieving. And I think that they're going to come back down a little bit. And Oakland's going to do better. Okay. But but not so well that it makes up for the rest He's of He's an them. Oakland fan. <laughs> I am secretly thinking that Oakland could be, you know, a 6-10 and 10 team. I gotcha. A 7-9 and nine team. Maybe. <laughs> High hopes for the Oakland Raiders, right? Uh, I think the NFC West does a little bit worse because I think the 49ers will be a trash team. Oh, they're going to be a dumpster fire. And I think that St. Louis will still not be good, even though their defense is good. And I think that Arizona might regress as far as their win total. Yeah. And I think that Seattle will be about where they were, or maybe a little less. But they were the number one seed. Like Maybe they're the number three. So I think they could do worse as a division. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But one thing I read on Reddit, which I totally agree with, we need to stop saying, um, man, St. Louis almost beat this team or that team. St. Louis is a good team, and they're going to be better this year. Yeah, they just have no quarterback and not very good wide receivers. Right, but they have an amazing defense, and it's really hard for anyone to beat them. Yes, it's, it's difficult for teams to win. Yes. But they only have to score more than 14 points. Yeah, you got a little <laughs> problem there on offense. It is, it's that. an issue, but it's only 14 points. I give points. you that. I so if they're that. playing a team like the Steelers or the Packers or – or like a team that scores a lot of points, they have a serious problem. They're fucked. <laughs> well, uh, I'd like to remind people uh, just real quickly, um, and I, Jason, you probably have more to discuss. But No, um, actually, I'm about done. Okay, well, uh, Stitcher, please uh, check out our podcast. We are under Drink 5 Network, of course, on iTunes. Uh, you can grab it on your iPhone, your iPad, or even on your computer. Um, Drink 5 Network is where you can find our show. Uh, Drink 5 Fantasy Football as well as uh, several other shows that we do TV Soup and Retro Spectacle you can find us at drink5.com where we have all of our articles and uh, promotions based on our podcast etc on facebook.com slash drink5network also twitter.com slash drink5 and if you want to reach us directly please uh, do so at jason at drink5.com or david drink5.com as always, it's been a great presentation. Uh, I want to thank Jason for uh, for spearheading this particular conversation on the NFC South. Uh, as terrible of a division as they were last year, I think we both agree that they may do better this year. Uh, congratulations on a little round of applause to the NFC South. Very nice. Very nice, my friends. Well very done, nice. gentlemen. Very good. <laughs> Drink five, NFC South. There you are. <laughs>